Hey everybody, I'm Nick Galfis. I play Dr. Halstead in Chicago Med, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Welcome to episode 233 of Meet Us at Molly's today in honor of Sunday's anniversary of the anniversary of the 21st anniversary, the 21st anniversary of 9-11. We thought we would go back and recap Fire 506. This is called That Day. Uh, This is the episode when Bowdoin goes back to New York is Mm -hmm. basically the summation. So uh, yeah. So before we get into that, we do have some news to discuss, and both of us are just kind of chomping at the bit because there's just it's, things are weird right now, like just in the world in general. Like I, when we got on this call, it's Wednesday when we record t- Thursday. It's Thursday. No, today is Thursday. Thursday. We normally been recording on Wednesdays, but today is Thursday. Yes. Yeah. So today is Thursday, September eighth, when we're recording this. Obviously, we've all heard the news by now that Queen Elizabeth passed away this afternoon. The times are changing just mm-hmm. in all Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-
Right. I would assume Elena. And so I'm sure that kicks off her death, kicks off even probably more unfortunate events for Dylan. And that's why Dylan is like feeling the pressure to be like, no, I got to leave. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Weird. I, I, I mean, I, I knew, I knew Will and Dylan were going to survive. Like we were never worried about that, but something about it, something about this fallout just feels, feels weird. Maybe it is that Dylan's probably leaving. Yeah, for sure. On the other hand, I guess I'm excited to see Crockett, Ethan, and Archer work together. Well, maybe Archer, but like that in that trio is interesting. I'm here for that. Are you excited for the new people at all? Uh, it's a little hard to get excited for the new people only because it feels like everyone's leaving. Bingo. The I'm only in, the new person boat. I'm excited for is obviously Benjamin. Like, yeah. I'm very excited for Torres. But, like, these new ones, and I'm not saying they're not going to be great, and I could end up loving them, and, you know, I'm I'm still have an open mind, but to say I'm, like, so excited that they're joining, eh, I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm, like, just kind of indifferent about it. Now, if they went ahead and casted Archer's son, because for whatever reason, I just still don't understand how we're not going there yet, or have any casting news about that whatsoever, then I'd be excited. But, like, until then, eh. Yeah. I I feel like there's just so many other things going on right now that the new characters on Met are like 20th on my list of. Well, and they're not things. regular. They're not series regulars yet. I mean, they, not to say they could be, but they're not series regulars yet. They're just recurring, you know, guest stars. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that just even adds to like, okay, well, they're only going to be here. For, that implies to me that they're only giving you around for a little bit. And, like, then they're going to go. So I'm trying not to get, like, too attached or get my hopes up about them or anything like that. Because, like, they're probably not going to stick around for ever. I'm not going to lie. And I, we've been talking about this just, like, every single day. It's really hard to be excited about the new seasons right now. I'm excited about, I mean, overall, I still am looking forward to them being back because I do love these shows. But yeah, like PD, I'm not excited for necessarily at all. I mean, I'm excited. I am excited about Torres, but that's really about it. Fire, I'm fire to me. I'm still excited about Mm -hmm. nothing's changed over there yet that I like I'm fire. I'm good with. And then meta, like I'm really if Dylan does leave, I'm going to be really sad about that. Mm -hmm. Like really sad about that. So, yeah. I'm just kind of like Two out of the three. I'm just kind of like. It's just a weird time. It's just a weird time. You know what's interesting though about this episode description. Is it has no mention of Hannah being injured. Or Hannah whatever. Like unless she's looped into the survivors part of it. But like still. Yeah. And that's like a big part of the promo photos. Yeah, and like, what are they going to do with that too? Because if she got injured in the fire, she presumably can't take pain pills. Right, and is that the whole storyline? Is like, oh, I'm injured, but like, I can't take pain pills. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> just, just things are up in the air. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting to the point now. I'm starting to get antsy. We're two weeks out, and I'm just like, okay, now I'm ready. Let's speed this up. Let's just rip I'm that like, Let's off. go. Let's go. These next two weeks. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, take us through fire. Okay, so fire eleven oh one. It's called hold on tight. 
It says, Kid and Severide's honeymoon is interrupted by a dangerous person from their past. Kid's former Academy classmate joins Firehouse 51, and Brett and Violet reflect on their relationships. Okay. Lots to unpack here. Lots to unpack here. Yep. Yep. I, I mean, feel it- like... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, we know we know that Stella and Kelly are fine because we've seen promo photos. Yes. Yeah. And I was going to say, I feel like it's obviously very clear, too. I know there's been a lot of theories about, like, is it Grant? Is it, you know, like, is it someone else, like, from their way back past? Like, I, it's pretty obvious it's those, uh, whatever was happening in the finale, I forget, was it, like, gang? No, it was uh, the the guy who was running, like, the meth thing out of the food truck yes. or something. Yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. That, well, gang, I mean, if, if they were running it out of the meth lab at, for the gang or for whatever. Yeah, I feel it's guys from that whole situation. Like, it's not, you know grant or anything like that like it's not um but also kids former academy classmate that's interesting that's got to be the new guy carver yeah it's oh yeah it's got to be which that's interesting and also i feel like brett and violet reflecting on their relationships that's then it's just make it seem like one is going to be a positive outcome and one's going to be a negative outcome did you see the people magazine uh preview that Haley posted in the patron group tv guide but tv guide yeah um it basically kind of ran it down and just said that apparently apparently brettsy is not in a good place uh yes and so brett just kind of throws herself into work yes i did see that and a former love interest like passes through according to kara and i think we've i think we've kind of deduced it's uh kyle the chaplain Mm -hmm. i guess passes i don't feel like he's sticking around for more than one episode though like passes through makes it just seem like he's basically my thing is i bet she's gonna like run into him somewhere and like they're gonna have a conversation and he's gonna give her some kind of like chaplain advice or whatever and basically it's gonna make her come to some conclusion regarding her relationship with casey like that's how i feel like that scene's gonna go down people are not gonna like that no i'm not gonna like that Mm. but and this is kind of terrible too but like on the flip side i feel like if something negative is happening with brett and casey are we also gonna have something negative happening with violet and hawkins like i don't feel like we're gonna have two negatives right i don't think so i think i I feel like we're gonna end up with like violet and hawkins and on a good note i bet i bet like the whole episode it's gonna like seem like violet and hawkins are headed somewhere bad and then at the very end of the episode like she shows up on his doorstep or vice versa yeah like i feel like we're gonna end with like good hakami which like i'm not gonna complain about that but like also not happy about the bread sea not gonna uh, you know just like torn yeah for sure but yeah I, I like I said fire is the one I'm most excited for though so yeah yeah um moving into the one I'm least excited for yeah I said <laughs> it PD 1001 it's called let it bleed okay I've been in like avoidance mode the past almost two weeks now I like I I can't I can't see Jesse's name I can't see Jesse's picture it just like makes me sad all over again and so talking about anything PD, I'm just kind of like, do we have to? Like, do we have to? Okay. 
Here we go. Still reeling from the death of his informant, Anna, Voight faces a new threat as he tries to keep the neighborhood clean. New wrinkles develop in the Upton, Halstead, and Voight dynamic, and the team gets a new chief. Okay. Yeah. There's 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 been theories flying back and forth, you know. So many theories. All the theories. All of the theories. It, it's I think well, I, I can't speak for everybody else, but I am really scared that Voight not Voight, PD in general is just gonna become so different and so unfamiliar once Jesse's mm-hmm. gone that it's gonna be like a completely unrecognizable show. I think that fear is very valid. I just, I, yeah. I mean, and it's gonna be, right? Like, even if it was for the positive, I mean, like, when you take one of the main actors from a show who's been on the show for 10 years and you take him out, even if it was his choice to leave, and again, I feel like we're hitting the, you know, we've talked about, is it his choice to leave? Is it not his choice to leave? We don't know. But even if it was his choice to leave, and I don't think it was, but- you take him out of the equation and it's just going to look different regardless whether it was you know for a good reason or for a bad reason and like i i don't know i don't know how i feel about it honestly i still i want to say i'm going to be okay with it but i you know or in the end i will be okay with it and i'll be still enjoying it but i don't know i don't know yeah we're not going to know until it happens and you know yeah yeah, I mean, we've thrown some theories around. I think the more I think about it, the less I think they're going to kill him. I never I never really was yeah. aboard that train. I don't think they're going to kill him. Um, and well, and this sentence makes it seem, obviously, it says, you know, new wrinkles develop in the Upton Halstead Voight dynamic. It just makes me feel like shit's going to go down between them and he's just going to get mad. He's be like, you know what? I'm out of here. He's like, I can't do this. He's like, Which- I can't work for Voight anymore. Which is pretty true to life when you think about it, right? When you don't vibe with somebody, you can only try so many times where you're just like, you know what? This is bad for me. I got to get out of it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's been, it's, it would honestly be the most in-character exit that I feel like they could come up with. Like when I try to sit here and think about like all the ways they could write him off, so many of them just seem like, eh, yeah, I guess maybe, but like that doesn't really seem like Jay. Like Jay has always been butting heads with Voight. Well, maybe last season aside, he, mm-hmm. you know, we he had all those conversations. We were like, who the fuck is this Jay? Like we don't know him. Like why is he all of a sudden agreeing with Voight? But otherwise, for the most part, the whole series has been Voight and Jay butting heads against each other. So if it came down to Jay finally leaving. Like, it would just make the most sense that, like, the reason Jay would leave the unit finally is because he's had enough of Void, and he's like, I literally can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. That, to me, just seems like the most in-character way they would write him out. I actually, I mean, I, I don't want to say I'd love to see that, but I, I would be okay with that because it's about damn time somebody sticks to their guns and doesn't just cave for Void and say, you know what, I like, you are good for this city. No, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck it's a duck um, yeah so i mean that that's a line i've been using with charlie lately to describe a bunch of other things but he cracks up every time but it's true i mean you know i'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of sick of everybody just kind of like rationalizing Voight's actions and and finding a way to make it okay yeah no for sure and when you think about it too when you think about all the characters who have left 
I mean, Aaron left because she, it was kind of a selfish choice. She left for herself, not because of anything Foy did, because mm-hmm. she fucked up. Um, but everyone else that's left is die is pretty much died at the result of Void. Like we haven't had someone leave because they've been fed up with Void's actions. It's all just people either died because of Void or Aaron. Like I said, Aaron just left because you know she fucked up things for herself. Yeah, but like. You know, so it would be interesting to see, and I don't think it will change how Voight reacts to anything, but it would be interesting to see, like, Anna's death combined with Jay finally having had enough of Voight's actions and being like, you know what, fine, like, Voight, you win, I'm out of here, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, would that change Voight? Like, would that wake him, would that be like a wake-up call to Voight to be like, whoa, maybe I'm doing things wrong and I don't think it will. Like, I, I, I'm i just saying it would be interesting if they were to go there in the midst of all of this and be like, you know what? Maybe this is Void's wake-up call, but I don't think they'll go there. Nothing's not. ever going to wake him up. His own no. stubbornness is going to be what kills him. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. But yeah. we don't know anything about this new chief, right? No. So this is like, like there's no casting news or anything. No, unless we go off of the guy from General Hospital who posted that he was on PD, but I don't think that's a major role. I think that's something minor. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so this is like the same rank as like uh, Nicole Ari Parker's character, right? Like Chief, like above voice. Right, or like ha- there was like Chief Hatcher, Crowley, like, you know, those kind of characters, right? I would assume. Yeah. yeah. So. Hmm. Take us to the next bit of news, please. Okay. So, kind of sticking on the Jesse train. So, we've talked a lot about, obviously, you know, there's been a lack of news, I should say. The only people, you know, a lot of fans are really upset about the fact that nobody's really posted in the wake of the news coming out about Jesse's absence or Jesse leaving the show. The only thing people that have posted was Marina posted and tracy posted and so all of a sudden today an article on today's website um came out and it's about you know it says one chicago stars respond to jesse lee's offers chicago pd departure and it's basically got quotes from benjamin nick and kara um just you know talking about jesse and his absence um So basically, Benjamin said, let me find where his quotes are. He says, you know, it's been like art imitating life in a way because Jesse and I became really good friends and he's been like a mentor to me. The same way he took in the character, he took me in as well. He's a brilliant human being and I'm going to miss him. Um, And then Nick goes on to say he, you know, in response to what Benjamin had said, he said it was not surprising to hear you say that, that he welcomed you in because that's exactly what he did for me. Um, I'll never forget that. It's a little intimidating for me when this all started. He took me under his wing. Um, and then Nick said, you know, the fact that he and Jesse are friends, good friends, but it still caught him off guard that he was leaving the show. Um, and he says, he's like, you know, it was surprising to hear that he's leaving. There will be a void, but that's the nature of this industry. That's just what happens. I will certainly miss him. Um, we have to carry over. We have a relationship to carry outside of all of this that we will. Okay, um, the, the the big thing here, I, I think Nick pretty much answered the question for us with this when he said that's just the nature of the industry. Yeah. I mean, everything everything points to this not being Jesse's choice, but I think that's confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and I feel like the fact that 
they were, well, hold on, let me finish and then I'll get into it. And then Kara just said, you know, she was also shocked to hear that he was leaving. And she said, you know, he's done such a great job with that character. I got to do one-on-one scene when I first started and he's always been lovely to me. He does good, such good work. And she said, the whole One Chicago family is definitely losing a very well-loved, very talented actor. And I so feel for the fans. I feel like the fact that everyone says they were shocked or like they were surprised that, you know, caught off guard. I mean, they, you know, Nick said like he was caught off guard or whatever, like, that I feel also like answers the question. Like, I feel like, especially Nick, I feel like if Jesse had said like, Hey, you know, I'm going to leave and season 10, like he and Nick are close friends. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like Nick probably would have known if Jesse was, had been choosing to leave that Nick probably would have known and heard it from Jesse. Yeah. Um, also, I feel like we should point out because it it this article is really hard to read and not just for the fact that they're talking about how much they love Jesse and they're going to miss him, but because it is terribly written. Like, I've never read, um, honestly, from a well-known news organization, I've never read a more terribly written article. First of all, their headline was misspelled wrong. They had departure and not departure. <laughs> And then, like, they just have, it's, like, first of all, there's, like, 10 million spelling and grammatical errors, but, like, half of the article is wrong, too. They, like, talk about the fact that, like, um, Benjamin was in the season finale, season nine finale last year when that's inaccurate. He was in, I don't remember which episode, but it definitely wasn't the finale. And he, they called Jesse Lee Stoffer, they called him Jesse Lee Stoffer, Stoffer whatever you want, however you want to pronounce it. And then they had Kara as like, it said who played Sylvie Bennett instead of Sylvie Brett. Like just so many things that are actually wrong. And it's like, how did this make it out of editing? And I feel like the answer is it didn't, but like, and someone just maybe posted it when they weren't supposed to or something, but like your headline spelled wrong. It's factually inaccurate. Like it's just, it's bad. It's really bad. That's like journalism 101. Right. Like, even if you said, okay, I didn't fact check everything, how was your headline wrong, spelled wrong? Like, I don't understand. So is Sylvie Bennett, like, the dark version of Sylvie Brett? You know the Kermit meme where you've got Kermit and then, like, dark Kermit? Is that Sylvie Bennett? Is she, like, dark Sylvie? Yes. Name name misspellings drive me so crazy. They make me so mad. Like, just find out how to spell the name well and it'd be one thing it'd be one thing if you had like jet like jesse lee stouffer one time and you were like okay maybe a type like typos happen i get it whatever like a typo can happen okay but when you combine it and it happened multiple times they call him stouffer multiple times Uh obviously not an error but then like you combine it with the all the other grammatical errors and the fact that again the headline is misspelled wrong which is just killing me because lol um it's just like this is clearly just well or poorly written just thrown together yeah which like i feel like um i'm trying to remember what comes on before one chicago um it's the one mario lopez uh extra Uh, every time i have seen extra cover one chicago they have gotten it dead wrong names plot all of it they covered chicago med last year and they were just completely like not right just completely yeah. wrong every single time they cover one chicago they get it completely wrong and yeah. ju- it just like blows my mind i'm like you guys are major outlets like i, I get that maybe nobody watches the show but 
school. Well, and the thing that bugs me is like, okay, I get it. You're not going to get the minor details of the show. I got it. Like, I got it. You're not going to get like, the. I got it. But like, these are all things you can look up on IMDb or Wikipedia or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you can find out what episode Benjamin was in. It's very clearly labeled on the his IMDb page. Like, you can find out what Kara's character's name is. It is very clearly labeled on pretty much anywhere. Like, I just don't understand. Yeah, it's not yeah. like it's that hard to find those errors on the internet. It's just, it's yeah. It always kills me when it's painfully obvious that an outlet does not watch One Chicago or like does not watch oh the show God. that they're covering. Period. Yeah. It like kills me because I'm just like, oh, this just screams. I don't watch the show. Well, and the thing that kills me too is that like at a major publication, like maybe not today because today is not solely an entertainment publication, Mm -hmm. but like at like, for example, Extra, there's got to be one, you're telling me there's not one person that works on that show somewhere that doesn't watch the Chicago shows. Mm -hmm. And granted, I get it. They may not be the onset, you know, on-air talent or whatever, but you're not telling me they couldn't find the one person that works on their show to like consult them about questions or like hey do you want to just read over this and make sure it's factually accurate or something like that you're telling me not one person doesn't watch the one chicago shows on extra like there's got to be somebody that works there that does Mm -hmm. i find that hard to believe Mm -hmm. yep and that's why when the jesse news broke I knew it was legit immediately because it was Variety who broke it, which means and it was it was, Emily. It was and then you click on, and then you click on, yeah, you click on it in Variety, and you're like, oh dang, Emily wrote it, and you're like, yeah, yeah. And that's how you know it's legit because Emily watches the shows and she does her due diligence. Yep. Unfortunately, in that case, but yeah, she did. <laughs> it's just a frustrating time. It's just like, yeah. Ugh. I don't know. I got nothing. Like, I don't yeah. know. I'm just like, so. wah, wah. oh, big time, big time. And I, I think, I think we will eventually find out the truth, but I think it won't be until the postmortems roll around. And even then, there's still going to be information that we don't get that we want to get. I don't think we're going to get it in the postmortems. You don't? Not the truth. Do you? I mean, I, I think they're going to, I think they're, I think the only thing we're going to get in the postmortems is like, the reasoning behind why they wrote Jay out the way they wrote him out, like when being like, oh, we decided to go with X, Y, and Z because that, you know, whatever. And, or, you know, and then they're going to say stuff about like, we really loved having Jesse on the show, you know, like all that kind of stuff. But you really think they're going to come out and say, no, like he was fired or he was let go I because mean, of payroll. Like, no, they're not going to come out. No, not they're not going to come out and say that. No, but we're going to, I think we're going to know, you know, we're, we're going to find out whose choice it was, which it's obvious it was not his choice, but we'll get confirmation, I think. Maybe. I am determined it would, to It find would not surprise out. me if we don't. Let's put it that way. Oh my God. I feel like one of those, like, really determined journalists in, like, the movie where they blow the whistle on something and they're like, I must find the truth. That's how I feel. It's driving me insane that we don't know any of these things. But I feel like we do, though. Like, yes, it is not coming from a higher power that mm-hmm. says, like, yeah. But, like, very, how many times, and I'm trying to even think of a, like, very rarely when someone is ever actually, like, let go, do you ever actually find out the truth of, like, why they were let go? In any situ, in any situation, I, not I, just one Chicago related. Yeah, like no, it's but- only when 
it wasn't there. Like it was like the actor's choice. You'd mm-hmm. be like, yeah, that was the actor's choice to leave. Like they wanted to leave and we respect that. And like, that's the only time you ever get actual confirmation. So I feel like the lack of confirmation is almost confirmation. Yeah. I, I clearly remember when Charlie Barnett left. Um, I, I clearly remember the postmortem because Brant literally was just saying he ran out of stuff to do. And I remember like, let's see, it was 2014, like, you know, young me just being like, that's bullshit. Um, yeah. So I, I clearly remember that one where they just were like, oh, we, like the character just had nothing else to do, which is like, that's just, it's not how life works. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've been trying to rationalize it in my own head and I'm just like, okay, well, how many more seasons can we go back and forth with this Voight and Jay butting heads thing and then Jay caving and being like, never mind, you're good for the city. I mean, we can only do that so many seasons, right? But well, we've done it still, for, well, we had done it for nine of them. Still, that, it's a story I would have watched from now until like the end of time. Oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. Just, PD was like the stable show, right? Like We would have complained about it, but we would have watched the hell out of it, too. Exactly. 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 And, and you know how last season we said we were like, Med's the safe show. Well, PD was the stable show, casting-wise, because the cast is so small that like you just don't mess with it. It's stable. It's comforting. Mm-hmm. That's why we come to it every week, because it's the same every week. You don't just pluck the heart of the show and throw them out. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's really hard time to be a shy heart right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can talk about patron shout outs. Yes, let's do it. Yay. We've got one new patron this week, which is exciting. Alex Schultz. Welcome to the family. Um, Alex joined the Facebook group already, so that's good. Uh, welcome yes. aboard. Welcome to the family. Patron number 99. Yep, we are right there. Oh my goodness. Our next patron is going to be our 100th patron. Yep. That's insane. Crazy. It's so crazy. So if you would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, you may do so by checking out the link in our socials. Uh, go to our Patreon page, figure out which tier is best for you. We're always posting fun stuff there. Um, we just posted the lost episode that we referred to last week on our live. I it's not even-, even a lost episode. It's a lost 25 minutes. Yeah. It's not even a lost episode. Yeah. I haven't even gone back to listen to it just cause I'm like, I don't know if I can listen to past me, just make a fool oh, out of herself. It's like hysterical. Like that we really thought that it was either Voight or Antonio that killed Kilton. Yeah. Like we were like a hundred percent convinced and like, um, oh, I cannot think of Anne Hayes' character's name. Oh, uh, Brennan. Kate Brennan. Yes. Didn't even cross our minds. And we were like, maybe Jay. Like, we literally thought for like a hot second it could have been Jay. We were like, but no, it's definitely Boyd or Antonio. Like, Brennan didn't even cross our minds. Yeah. But we were just raging about the fact that we were like, I can't believe they fucking did that. It was, I mean, it's a, I mean, it's like 25 minutes of us just being like, what the fuck was that? We literally recorded about like five minutes after the season finale of season six of PD. Uh, yeah. Feelings no, and it's just unedited. I mean, there is like even like a hot second in there where like we lose, you know, Skype connection for a second. I mean, it is like truly the unedited audio. Yeah. It's, Lots it's, a, it's, a, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun yeah. Listen. Um, yeah, so check the link to our Patreon page. It's pretty cool. We've got the the Facebook group is really the best part. Um, we our our patrons they started a, a group chat on their own um, where we all there's just two get, group chats. There's two, yeah. There's two. There's one for live episodes, like watching the episodes together, and then there's another for just general chatter. And they just talk all the time, and we pop in every now and then and say hello. But you know, 
um we all stay in touch it's really nice the, fa- the facebook yeah we actually two of our patrons actually met up this week which was really cool to I see saw that. oh that made my heart so happy yeah i loved seeing allison and danielle hang out together that was really fun that was, was really, really cool. exciting that was yeah. really sweet um yeah so that's going on we've also got a discount to our tea public store you should also check out the tea public store there's merch there uh we've just added two new designs in the past few weeks uh one of our patrons ally is amazing with digital art and yeah. she was kind enough to do two designs for her. she did one for her fifth birthday and then she did an upstead design that pretty much just ripped my heart into all over again it's beautiful though it is gorgeous it's absolutely gorgeous so yeah definitely check that out i'm tempted to get a violet jersey i don't know why oh what jersey violet oh i have one because she's i love it i love it i have that and my hawkins and my brighton case i have quite a few jerseys yeah i love it not no sorry not sorry yeah no not sorry at all my whole wardrobe now like as i get older it's just evolved into like leggings and like fandom shirts yeah on any given day i could be wearing a wintry hill shirt i could be wearing a chicago shirt marvel like hamilton that's all i wear now no shame none at all at all all right without further ado i think it's time to move into the episode shall we let's do it all right so again this is the 9-11 episode sunday is the 21st anniversary of the 9-11 attacks um let's start let's start with this okay we were two completely different ages when 9-11 happened. And I mean, mm-hmm. that's a given that we're always two completely different ages on any given day. But <laughs> like completely different. I was a teenager and Bryna was a child. Mm-hmm. So let's just start there. I, if I was 14, that means you were like six. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. That's a huge difference. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I'm curious because you were a child and at that point, you know, obviously you're, you're, you, your brain's forming memories, but they're not like clear memories. Right. So what do you remember of that day? Where were you? I was at school for sure. First grade. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. First grade. Um, and I mean, I don't, I like, I honestly, I have a little bit of memory. Like I definitely remember like my mom picking me up you know like picking me up from school and like her being very upset but like really beyond that like I don't remember them telling like my parents telling me about it or like anything like I just like it just kind of happened and like I've kind of just always known about it like I really don't have like a ton of very clear memories I definitely have a clear memory of my mom picking me up from school Mm -hmm. um and like her being very upset but like beyond that, I don't have like a ton of clear memories. It's just something I've always lived, you know, like I've just always known that 9-11 was 9-11 and it happened. And it's a very, you know, you know, like I know now, of course, all the things that happened on 9-11, but like back then I definitely didn't. That's, that's so interesting. Like, cause I mean, to me, it's just so clear that there was a pre 9-11 and a post 9-11 and that day, everything as we knew it changed. Cause I was 14 years old. Um, I was in the 10th grade and yeah. obviously being in central time, everything's an hour behind. And so I hadn't even made it to school yet. Um, yeah. I was still like, I, I've never, ever been a morning person. It's gone back my entire life, which like Brian finds us no surprise, but um, <laughs> you know, I was still like laying on the couch, watching MTV, like bef- putting off, getting ready for school because not a morning person. And it was just the morning routine. Like you just do that. And then 
my dad had already left for work and he called my mom and was just like, Hey, you need to turn on the TV because two planes just hit the world trade center. Yeah. So my, my dad called my mom and she was just kind of like, Oh my God. And we turned it on. And like, I knew in my head that it was a terrorist attack by that point, but I think I was still trying to rationalize. I was like, okay, well, what's a situation where two planes could have hit two different buildings at the same time? And I was like, maybe there was an air show that like went wrong or something like that. But for at 14, even then I knew I was like, this is not good. Uh, yeah. Not good. And at the time my sister was actually working downtown uh, in, in Manhattan, but she was, we, we didn't know where she was because all the cell phone signals were jammed. Right. And so I, I know, I, I know watching it, like I definitely knew what was going on and I definitely remember life being like pre nine 11 and post nine 11. Um, I also feel like I lost a lot of innocence that day. Cause I, I did not realize up until that very moment of that very day that the rest of the world pretty much hates America. Mm-hmm. That I didn't know that until that day. And that was like, yeah, kind of a harsh reality. Right. So since I hadn't even made it to school yet, I didn't go to school that day because we just didn't know what was happening. Like if there were going to be more attacks or anything. Uh, Yeah. And then I remember that weekend having to go to work. Yes, I had a job at 14, whatever. Um, And being like really freaked out to like be out in the world again. I was just kind of like, is this normal? Is it okay to do this? Yeah. Yeah. It was a crazy time. Yeah. No, like I said, I don't, I mean, like, obviously I do remember parts of my life from before 9-11, but like to remember very clearly, like what society was like. And so like, I definitely don't remember like what people say, like pre 9-11 and post 9-11. Like I don't, um, you know, to me, everything is just in a post 9-11 world. Um, so that's wild yeah. to me. That's wild. I also feel like, and I mean, I don't know if you feel this way since you were only six, but like. I feel like 9-11 just kind of desensitized my entire generation to pretty much everything. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's hard for me to say that because, like I said, like, I don't honestly remember, like, even though I did live life without 9-11 in it, but, like, I don't really remember life without 9-11 in it. Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't know what, you know, Yes, I feel I agree. I feel like my generation is desensitized to a lot of stuff. And like same, like I agree with even like what you would be like your generation. I agree with that. But like, is my, was my generation always going to be like that? Or is it just part of who we are? Because again, we don't really remember life without 9-11. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. It really is. Have you seen the memorial at all? Have you been to New York and seen the memorial? I have not been to the the memorial in New York. I've seen when they had the big exhibit in the museum in DC before it closed. Mm -hmm. Remember we, you went, yeah, I took you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I've been there a couple of times, but I've not been, and I've been to the, there's a memorial at the Pentagon and I've been there, but I've not been to New York. No. Wow. So this episode, um, they filmed it in 2016. And the reason I remember that is because I was in New York the week before they were there to film it. Yeah. yeah. I missed them by a week. I could have been at the memorial and been like, oh, hey, look, it's Casey and Severide. I'm sorry. Did I just say that? Like, could have doubled. Yeah. Um, I will say the memorial is beautiful. It is so beautiful. 
And the, yeah, the... it's something I want to do the next time I go back. But yeah. the last time I was there, I didn't have enough time to like go all the way down to like where it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the reflecting pools, I mean, we, I'm sure you guys have all seen it on TV, but um, you know, up on, on the concourse, they have, you know, the, the names of all of the victims um, that kind of like, it makes the perimeter of each tower and there's a waterfall that goes down into a reflecting pool. And then the reflecting pool drains into like, I don't know what you would call it, but it, it drains into the middle of where the building was. And it's structured so that you can't see the bottom of that, like very bottom mm-hmm. reflecting pool that it drains into. It's it's beautiful. I mean, that's that's the best way I can describe it. Is that it, it's? Yeah. It, I think it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, very somber, you know. Uh, but you know, it's crazy that such a horrible event happened there, and just to be standing there. I I was there pretty close to. Okay, so this was six years ago, seven years ago, six years ago. So it would have been the. 15th anniversary and I was there like the week after the anniversary had happened and so just to be standing there and be like wow like 15 years ago this was a completely different place it was yeah crazy well and the other thing too and I was that was something I was because I know obviously it was 2016 and so it would have been 15 years do you know do you remember because although I guess I was watching live at that point I just don't remember like was did they do this episode at that time because it was 15 years or were like this episode just like a random idea they had? I don't remember actually. And I don't like, I don't, and they may never have ever said if that was why, but it just got me thinking. And I was like, Oh, that would have been 15 years. I wonder if they did it because it was like a fifth, you know, the 15th anniversary or like Mm -hmm. if they just did it because they wanted to finally do that episode. Yeah. I don't remember. I actually don't remember that, but I do think, I do think this was the perfect, the, the perfect bit of, information to add to Bowden's backstory, right? Like I would expect nothing less that a young Bowden would jump on a fire truck on 9-11, drive through the night to New York City and just jump in the rubble and help out. I agree. But I will say, and I I was going to bring it up later, but I guess I'll just go ahead and bring it up now. I am curious to hear what you think about it though. Because the, the only thing, the only thing I don't like about this episode is I feel like they kind of glimpse, like they kind of like in the beginning, it's like Bowden isn't really wanting to talk about anything. He's like, no, you just get this ambiguous idea of New York. And it's like, okay. And it's not until like the last like six or seven minutes of the episode, do you really realize like, oh, Bowden's talking about 9-11. And like, it just feels like I would have liked him to spend more time on the 9-11 stuff. Like mm-hmm. if you're really going to do this like tribute episode and less, like they fit in so much again like it's fire like they fit in so much else to this episode that like I feel like the 9-11 stuff just kind of gets pushed to the side a little bit yeah I I get that but it it doesn't actually bother me because by the end of it I think we realized the fact the fact that it took him so much just to even grab the pictures and show them to his stepson he didn't even offer them to the whole firehouse it was just his stepson I think he saw and experienced some really unspeakable things that week. And it's really hard for him, even 15 years later, to go back to that place and feel those feelings again. So well, I'm with yeah, you on no, that. I, I, agree, I agree. But I just wish they had spent more time. I'm not saying more time about him talking about it. I'm just saying more time. Like, because even in the beginning, you don't know what the guy's talking. I mean, you kind of have some idea about like the fact that like it's probably about new like you know 9-11 but like he's just saying like oh are you coming to new york and Bowden's like no 
And then, like, Connie mentions in Bonin's, like, no, no, no. He's, like, we're canceling New York. Like, it's just, I wish they had said, like, hey, you know, we're going back to New York for 9-11. Like, just little, even just bringing up, like, that way. Like, hey, the 9-11 trip's next weekend. Like, are you coming? Like, just, I don't know. I just feel like they left it so ambiguous that until, like, the last five minutes, it was just, like, it kind of felt, like, too much. Like, I don't know. I just kind of felt like it did a little disservice to me. Yeah. I get it. No, I totally get it. Um, I'm not going to lie, since last year was the 20th anniversary, I went back and I just kind of poked through some of the footage from the day of, just because, I mean, I don't want to forget that day. I mean, it was a horrible day, but, you know, it's just such a big part of history and, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and my life, no, you know, just going through knowing now that like, I I clearly remember the distinction between pre 9-11 and post and that, you know, I feel like my generation is completely desensitized to things, mostly because we watched that horrible thing happen live on TV at 13, 14 years old. Uh, Mm -hmm. And yeah, poking through the footage, I just still to this day, I'm like, I can't believe we lived this day. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, no, well, they, they say we will never forget. Like that's the hashtag, but it's true. We will never forget. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like listening to your story though, it, it might've been better to have been a child and have, you know, little to no memory of it. I think maybe of that day, I, you know what? I don't know. I don't know because like, I feel like maybe of that day, like in some ways, yeah, like it's, sometimes nights that I don't remember some of the like as like a five you know six-year-old like seeing some of the horrifying images and maybe it was better that I saw them you know for the first time at like I don't remember the first time I saw really remember seeing the images of 9-11 but I'm sure it was like a couple years after that like Mm -hmm. that I really remember so maybe it was better that I first really saw and started learning about 9-11 and the details of 9-11 you know when I was like eight or nine maybe that's a better thing but like I don't know like I just, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the days after being just as scary as the day of, because, you know, this giant thing just happened that shook the foundation of everything we knew. And you're just like, where do we go from here? Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. I mean, I think I, you know, like there are going to be days in my life for sure that I remember and I very clearly, you know, remember where I was and, you know, whatever. And I think every generation is going to have, those days that like maybe not to the same extent as like 9-11 but you know every generation is going to have those days where something so significant is ha- in history has happened that they're going to be like oh yeah I remember where I was mm-hmm. um but I don't think that means that you know like just because I don't necessarily remember the day itself really I mean I obviously like I said I remember bits and pieces doesn't mean that it's not as important. I think it makes it even more important for the people who weren't alive when it happened to learn about, obviously, the things that happened and to hear from the people who do remember it happening. So, did it ever freak you out? Because when you lived in DC, you were one stop from the Pentagon. Did that I ever? Li- freak I could you walk out? to the Pentagon. Um, sometimes. Sometimes. Honestly, sometimes. But I mean. I don't know. You feel like in some, I feel like there were days, I guess, like, especially close to 9-11, you're like, mm, I don't know. But on the, some hands, like, you feel kind of safer by being by the Pentagon, if that makes any sense mm-hmm. in some ways. Um, but yeah, sometimes it did. 
But I feel like in DC, just like being in DC in general, like every time, like, you know, there are things that happen, like, you know, you feel a little unsafe. Yeah. Because like, even when I was in college at the time, like the Department of Homeland Security was literally across the street from my campus. So like anytime there was like a threat towards Homeland Security, it'd be like, okay, this is great. Like, it's fine. So like, you know, I feel like that just comes with the territory of living in D.C. God, that would be that would that would be really scary for me. I mean, our our friend Rachel, she still lives in in that area. And uh, January sixth, I remember texting her and being mm-hmm. like, "You're okay, right?" And she was like, "Oh yeah, I'm on the other side of the river. I'm not moving. Like, don't yeah." Even worry. And I mean, like a lot of times when those things happen, I mean, granted, because I never worked on Capitol Hill or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like most of ninety nine percent of the time, I was okay. Um, but like, yeah. I mean, just anytime, you know, because you're in D.C., like, it, the chances of things like that happening are just a little more slight just because you're in D.C. So, yeah. Mm. Ooh, you and Rachel are way tougher than I am because I'm like, nope, I'm not leaving the house. I'm good. Like, just going to stay right here. We're good. Yeah. Goodness. All right. So... Yeah, I mean, again, this is the 9-11 episode. Let's shake up the tone a little bit and let's like dive right in. And we're going to start with Bretonio because like <laughs> that's Have a thing that Have we really talked about Bretonio? I mean, I guess maybe a little. No, we, there were some. We did talk about Bretonio because when they went through the pregnancy scare, we were doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. So we have talked about Bretonio, but okay, it's been a so, while. So we start this episode and there's a knock at Antonio's door and Antonio opens the door he's just got his beer and it's Sylvie and Sylvie's in like a trench coat she's all like buttoned up and it's awkward really awkward so she like walks in and like she really awkwardly like grabs Antonio's beer and takes a sip of it and she walks in and she's like I'm a good girl and Antonio's like okay and she walks and she's like, I say my prayers at night. Like, I didn't kiss a boy until I was 17. And it basically all runs up to, you know, she talks about, she's like, and having sex, Antonio goes, you're waiting for marriage. And she goes, hell no. And she takes the coat off. Who put this poor girl in a bra and underwear? Like, whose idea was this? And who decided to put Kara in that uncomfortable situation? Yeah. Like, and even then, like, if Sylvie, I don't know. It's like on the one hand, I do think that like Kara and Antonio had great chemistry and I do think that some of their stuff was really great. And back in the day, I was definitely very into the Bretonio of it all. And I feel like if it hadn't been a crossover ship, it couldn't have really worked. But like because it was a crossover ship, it just kind of got like pushed to the side and they really failed that. But I feel like they could have done this scene a lot like. Nobody in their right mind actually shows up to a guy's door in just like a jacket and like broad underwear. Like oh it doesn't God. happen. That is, that is like for TV and movies, especially not in Chicago when it's like twenty degrees out on the regular. And I feel like, and I feel like the point is like, I do feel like her whole conversation about like her being a good girl and people like stereotyping her and whatever. Like I thought that part was fine. But, like, we did not then need her to go and, like, show up in just nothing but, like, a jacket and, you know, broad underwear. I feel like it could have been just as, the point could have been gotten across just as clear if she showed up in, like, a turtleneck and jeans and then stripped off her shirt. 
mm-hmm. if they really had wanted to do that. Like, she did not need to go, like, jacket and be like, huh, look at me. Like, that's, no. Like, I feel like it would have been more normal, if that's the right word, for just her to be, like, wearing her normal clothes and, like, taking her shirt off. Because, like, that is something that would actually probably happen. Yeah, I get I get that they were trying to show that, you know, Sylvie was really into Antonio. I get that. But anytime right. there's a shot of a female character on these shows, like in their underwear and it's like lingerie and stuff like that, I always ask the question, I'm like, was that necessary? Right. Was that necessary? Because. Well, and very clearly, like, not normal, like what you're wearing underneath like your normal clothes like Mm -hmm. like I said it'd be one thing if you like are in the middle of a makeout and you take off your shirt and like you're wearing what is very clearly a normal looking bra Mm -hmm. okay fine but like I don't know I'm like I said I get that what that ride on the L train was like for her well I would hope that she would have taken an Uber (laughs) (laughs) not that that's any better but like I don't know. Like I said, and I feel like the whole conversation about her being a good girl, I felt like that part worked. And especially Brett being all awkward because she is awkward and she likes Antonio. And I feel like she kind of feels like at this point that he sees her just as this like young girl and like Gabby's best friend. And like, I get it. She was trying to prove a point that like she's not that and she can be a woman in his life. Mm -hmm. I got all that. I thought that part worked. It was very much just like when she's wearing a trench coat and like her lingerie that is like that part does not work. No, but I mean, I mean, I'm starting, the older I get, the more I'm realizing, like, everything is about how you spin it, right? So when I first saw the scene, I was like, oh, God, this is uncomfortable. I forgot about this. But now, like, thinking about it now, I'm like, okay, well, you know, she's a young woman. She's exploring her limits, right? She's kind of exploring the limits of her sexuality and how far she's willing to go and what she's willing to do. And she felt safe enough to do that with Antonio. So that's good. But it was still a little odd. Well, and she, you know, and it's like, on the other hand, I say that, like, I thought the good girl stuff worked, but on the other hand, too, like, she shouldn't have had to, like, prove herself to Antonio. Like, you know, if she was into him, she should have just said, hey, I'm into you. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think you're into me, too. You know, that kind of a conversation, not, like, you shouldn't have to get down in your bra and underwear for a guy to like you. On the and flip I think, side, I don't think that's the only reason Antonio liked her, but I'm just no. saying. No, on the flip side, I, I... I would have been curious to see if she said, no, I am waiting for marriage. I I would have been curious to see how Antonio would have reacted to that. You know, that would have been, and I think that was kind of obviously the point of Sylvie Brett in the beginning, at least that like, yes, she is this good Christian girl, but she's not like the stereotypical good Christian girl that most people think of. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would have been an interesting choice. Like if they had really made Sylvie Brett a character who was like that and was waiting for marriage or whatever, like how that would affect. Cause obviously, you know, she was in a relationship with Cruz before this, um, you know, and then Antonio, and then obviously we know the chaplain and then Casey, like, you know, it just it would have been interesting. Her ex who she was engaged to before she came to Chicago, Harrison. That was yeah, her name. Harrison. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah. think it would have been interesting, but seeing this scene Mac, and maybe it's because it's the first dose of Bretonio I've seen in years. Yeah. I, I was just kind of like, taken aback I was like we liked this because I'm getting April and Ethan vibes of like this is weird no I still like this no I still liked it I mean and like I do think like Kara and John had and I think maybe I like the I, the potential of Bretonia more than I actually liked the actual Bretonia we got because mm-hmm. I think in the 
in my ideal world, I think Bertonio could have been a great couple. Like, especially because, like, first of all, it's a travesty that Antonio, beyond Brett, never really got a ship. Like, that's a real travesty. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, like, I think it would have been great for Antonio to finally have a ship. Like, obviously, like, crossover ships are always fun. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I think it could have been a really good thing, but they just kind of let it fall to the wayside. Yeah. And then they were like, we're going to break up again. And then they like have a hookup. And then it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I think I might be pregnant. Like, it's just like that whole thing. Just like, it, it just didn't work. And like, I think it was just more, it's hard to have a crossover ship too. But like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I like the idea of Bertonio maybe more than I actually liked them. But they had some good moments. I think that's accurate. The idea of them was better than the actual execution. And John and Kara, I do think had great chemistry. And I think that came across. Yeah, I did like when they eventually like because they, they were apart for a while and then they came back together in like a crossover or something. I thought that was super cute when like Antonio was outside her building in the rain and they like kissed under the umbrella. I thought that was super cute. Yeah, well, uh, and then I think yeah. that's what leads to them hooking up and then Brett having the pregnancy scare. I think that's season six. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, if I remember correctly, but so yeah. Then later in the episode, Brett runs into Gabby in the hallway as she's getting off the phone with Antonio and gabby's just kind of like um antonio said to tell you hi and brett's like well that's nice of him and gabby's like you slept with him and she's just like oh my god so gabby is begging for something to take her mind off of all the bullshit that's going on that we're going to get to here in a minute and brett just like like you gave brett an inch and she took a mile and it's really funny because she's just like oh my god he's so caring and like his touch and everything and she was like stop nope mm -mm, too far what? it's like it's like at first gabby's like yeah it's great to hear that he's like taking care of you then like you said it's like brett's like he's basically he's like he's a great lover and she's like no 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 i can't do it nope nope i thought i could do nope nope that's not what i want nope Pretty funny. it's good it's funny and I'm glad that Gabby was supportive and wasn't like completely weirded out that like, hey, my brother's dating my partner and the age gap is like sizable. Yeah. Yeah. It had but, potential. Like I said, it had great potential. And it just, I don't know. Well, like I said, it just, every time I think about Bertonio too, it makes me even madder about, like I said, the fact that Antonio never really had like a good ship. Mm -hmm. I'm like... Yeah, because then it just makes me go mad all over again about the way he was written out and how dirty they did John Seda, and I won't go on the rant again. But like, yeah, it's crazy. So uh, then we've got Chief Bowden. Ryan, take it away. Okay, so Bowden stuff starts because he's having breakfast with his stepson James and some random higher up at CFD whose name I don't remember at this time. Doesn't really matter. Anyway, this random chief whoever he is he just he keeps pushing james about like whether or not james is gonna like interested in the cfd and the rando is just kind of like you know friends like your father here and he's like you know damn right i'm gonna call him your father he's like you know our one in a million he's like but with the cfd you know there's a million of us like best damn stock there is um and james you can kind of see the look on james's face he's like i don't know but like he like feels the pressure clearly to say like yeah i could be interested in the cfd but like i it's very obvious that he's probably not interested in the cfd mm -hmm. um but then this dude the random guy brings up new york and all Bowden just says he's like he's like connie's working on it he clearly doesn't want to talk about it he just says you know like connie's working on it 
So Bowden, after this whole conversation with the random guy and James, decides that he's going to bring James to the firehouse for a couple shifts just to kind of see if it's something he's interested in. Um, But then, again, given the whole Gabby situation, which, again, we'll get to in a second, like, he doesn't get to spend a ton of time with James in that first shift. Um, And, like, at one point, Connie mentioned, like, Bowden's working in his office because he's, like, so busy and so overwhelmed with the Gabby stuff. Like, Connie mentions New York and Bowden's, like, cancel it. And she's like, but Chief, and she, he's like, no, no, no. He's like, just cancel it. So, again, because Bowden's mind is so preoccupied with everything, he has crews, like, run some ladder drills with James. And when they're done, Bowden and Cruz are talking and Bowden's like, so how do you look? And Cruz is just like, honestly, he's like, I think James would be rather be pretty much like anywhere but here. Which again, pretty obvious from the looks on James's face. Um, And so Bowden gets back to 51 after a call um, and finds the random guy from earlier. Again, I don't remember his name. <laughs> I, it, again, it doesn't really matter, but. He's like asking Bowden like why he's bailing on New York. And he's like, you know, he's like, you know what I see in your eyes, Wallace? He's like fear. For the first time in 30 years, he's like, I see fear in Wallace Bowden's eyes. And Bowden's like trying to deny it. And Bowden's like, he's like, you know, you don't know what you see. And the guy's like, you know, the hell I don't. Um, and basically, like, he leaves and he basically he hands Bowden like a plane ticket. And he's like, for someday when you're ready. Can we also and he please just, just- away point out that like it's 2022 and in this episode it was 2016 nobody has physical airplane tickets that they hand people anymore uh, unless you're old does that nobody does that charlie still prints his boarding pass and it like blows my mind i'm like electronic check-in dear like i do sometimes TV. it depends <laughs> do nobody sometimes. does that it's just for tv um but so this is what the scene you were talking about earlier. So Bowden, while he, you know, after this whole conversation, especially because when this throwdown or whatever you want to talk about, call it, is happening, they're all getting back from a call. So this conversation is happening on the apparatus floor in front of everyone. And I think Bowden feels kind of embarrassed that he doesn't want to talk about it. But so he finally, you know, he's, well, like you said, Bowden walks into the kitchen and he shows james this picture of him on the day after 9 11 um and james starts asking him a bunch of questions about like you know what it was it like and it cuts to this montage well scene of like Bowden, severide and casey arriving in new york and like going to greet you know this random guy from earlier and you know a bunch of other new york fighter fighters that were clearly there with Bowden on the day you know in during all the aftermath of 9 11 and Bowden has this um, ending that he says, and we're just gonna play the clip. The three of us wondered aloud if this place would ever be the same. We talked about the future and rebuilding and rebirth, but I never really believed in it. Not in those days. The world felt brutal, ugly. The people who gave their lives that day would never know why. And through all the digging and the dust and the death, we never found a single soul. And I felt like I failed them. Firefighters don't fail people. A hole formed inside of me. 
hope is hard to find when you lock it out of your mind. Maybe hope has a way of unlocking itself if you allow it to. I love this quote. Same. I love this whole, I love the way the ending happened. I thought it was great. The timing of this, like we're covering this episode when like all this bullshit is happening around us. I'm just like, oh, I feel like I'm in an episode of Med where like the patient's case like echoes everything in your own life. Yeah. It's applicable. Yeah, for sure. But no, I, yeah. Like I said, I love, and I love this quote. I love the way they pulled it all together. I do say it is a little random that like, I mean, not eh, random is the better word that like Casey and Severide go with him. Like, why did Casey and Severide go with him? Like, what was the point? I know. Just to say like Jesse and Taylor went, you know, were in the major moment. Like, that's why. But like, it's well, like. I, I imagine that Bowden didn't want to. He probably didn't want to go himself. Right. He was avoiding those feelings the entire episode. Right? And so I think Casey and Seb probably convinced him to do it. And we're like, what if we come with you uh, to kind of lessen that blow? Or Maybe. Just to be there for him. Maybe. I can see that. Yeah. Bowden looks like such a proud dad, too. Like he walks in the firehouse and his two sons are behind him. And they're just like following dad in new york field trip you know yeah it's a good it's a good ending it's a really good episode and again it doesn't surprise me one bit that Bowden was there on 9-11 no me either just very like i'm, I'm just imagining like very very young Bowden just being like all right so we gotta do yeah like crazy so crazy herman and gabby next up herman and gabby Okay. Herman was pretty great in this episode. Yeah, there's a lot in all of this. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Okay, so Herman makes a comment to Mouch early on in the episode that he heard through the grapevine that his name is up for promotion. And he says it just loud enough for Otis to catch it, which is like exactly what he did not intend because Otis is like, you're up for promotion? And then Stella's like, what? And it just spreads. Yeah. And Herman's like, no, I don't want to jinx it. Like, there's still time for the big shots to change their mind. I was just kind of telling my friend and Otis got hold of it. That's not really what I wanted. And so Gabby's like, well, hey, maybe your lieutenant could put in a good word. Um, But Casey's like, you know what? Like, I've never seen Herman in action. He's like, why don't we have you take over 81 today and I'll shadow you and get a sense for how you work. Cool. Deal. Such a good leader. Such a good leader. Yeah. So... They're on their first call. Casey lets Herman take over just as they promised. And they have a girl who fell through a skylight and pretty much got impaled. This is one of those calls. I have questions. I have questions. Okay. This is not a tiny child being curious and just getting on the roof. This is a teenager. Why they're like, oh, she, they were playing outside on the roof. Like, why is someone playing outside on the roof? She's like 15. What is she doing playing on the roof? She should know better. Right right like giant glass pane probably shouldn't stand on this right one of those calls have a lot of questions so yeah she's pretty much impaled so ambo is stuck in traffic they're trying to get there and gabby takes her eyes off the road for like a second which is just long enough for someone to jump out from behind a van and in front of the ambo and gabby hits the pedestrian 
And so because of the Ambo, they're struggling because they're like, okay, well, the next Ambo is 10 minutes out. This girl doesn't have 10 minutes. We've got to figure something out. So Herman's like, fuck it. I'm making the call. We're transporting her in the rig. Like we are going. I do love when Otis was like, we're not cleared to transport. And Casey said, you just got an order. Do it. I was like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. No, Casey really leaned into, you know what? Like if I'm going to really evaluate Herman and see if I can, you know, put in a good word for him. Like, I got to know what he, you know, I got to back him so I can see, you know, really truly evaluate him. Like I, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The right move. Yeah. This, this episode just kind of highlighted. We always talk about what an amazing leader Severide is, but Casey was too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time, big time. Uh, Casey was natural. I'm natural born leader. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And there's a little callback to a season one episode here because when they get to med, Casey's like, okay, well, you know, he's like, he's like going to fill out incident reports and stuff. And Herman's like, no, like I have it. And he goes, leaders lead, right? That's the title mm-hmm. of the episode in season one when Hallie dies. Yep. Nice yep. little, nice little call. When Bowden has that famous quote, you know, leaders lead from the front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So Casey immediately is like, I'm going to check on Gabby. Like, Fuck it. And Mouch is like, you can't. It's got to be the union rep. Sorry. And so Casey's like, fine. This paramedic chief, Chief Hatcher, he like has it out for Gabby. And it's like, oh, weird. yeah, he hates Gabby. Well, like, was this the same chief from when she stuck the girl in the heart with the needle from like season one? I don't know if he was around for season one, but he's been around for a while. He really had it out for her for like no reason. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, Gabby is giving him like all sorts of crap back and like, good for her. Good for yeah. her. So sh- he starts questioning her and just being a total asshole about everything. And we've just got to play it. And how fast were you going when the pedestrian appeared? Uh, I'd say about 20 or 25. Which? 20 or 25? Uh, closer to 20? Is there a difference? I need to get the facts straight. If you're unclear, presumption will be that you didn't. 20 miles per hour, last time I looked at the speedometer, crossing Larrabee in the leftmost lane. That's specific enough? Okay, Dawson, let's take it down a notch. I'm here for you. No, you wanted to be specific? Let's be specific. Dawson. I had the lights and sirens on, and I was on the horn. Guy steps in the middle of the road, not 10 feet in front of me, from behind the cover of a van. The time between him stepping in the road and me slamming on my brakes was about a second, but I saw the look in his eyes. They were blue. Am I wrong? I'm glad that she got all mouthy with him and was like, I took my eyes off the road for a second. Like, is that not good enough for you? I'm glad, dude. Yeah, no, I I mean, mo- you, most of the time I'm not a fan of the way Gabby sometimes handles things and how, you know, mm-hmm. outspoken about some of the stuff she is. But in this case, I feel like it was well warranted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. It it's- is also one of those things that like, I don't know if you found yourself doing this sometimes, but like now that we've had Jimmy and Hawkins like for a whole season and we like the idea of the paramedic chief and we know he's going to be around like a lot more in season 11. It's kind of crazy when we go back and watch these old episodes because we used to be like, oh, yeah, we never saw the paramedic chief. And like we I'm not saying we saw him all the time, but we did. And like I'm like, oh, yeah, like we did see the paramedic chief like not again not often but like we did and like had some big moments with the paramedic chief and i'm like 
But I'm also like, if Hawkins, if this was Hawkins, it would not be handled like this. What do you think Gabby and Hawkins would have vibed or would they have butted heads? That's an interesting question. Um, I feel like they would have still butted heads, but probably not as much. Okay. Like, I think Gabby, just given her personality, I think Gabby butts heads with a lot of people just in general. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there's going to be some things that she does and some choices that she makes, especially when she's breaking protocol that, like, she's just going to butt heads with whoever was in charge. But I feel like maybe less so than, like, with, say, like, Hatcher. I think Hawkins would... They'd butt heads at first for sure. And then I think Hawkins would realize she's a really good medic. And so he would just kind of be like, do what you got to do. And like, well, he can't be like, do what you got to do. Well, no, you can't. That's say not that his Gabby job. Dawson. But like, but like, well, yeah, well, he, that's also not his job. He does have to like reprimand her for like breaking the rule. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like he still has to do it, but he would be more, I feel like understanding mm-hmm. about the reason why she does chose to do the things that she did and whatever you know, all that stuff. I could see Hawkins being a little afraid of her at first. Oh, yeah, I could too. Yeah, that'd be funny. I mean, it's kind of like, obviously, the way I want to, you know, obviously his, the way he felt about Violet then turned into a crush on Violet into more romantic feelings, and I don't ever see that happening. But, like, he kind of felt that way about Violet, it seemed like, too. Like, Violet was just so smart and so, like, this, 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 that, like, he was, like, I think when he first he was like whoa like who is this girl and i feel like he would be kind of the same way about gabby like gabby would just be like no we're doing this do this do that you know blah 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 and he'd be like whoa like (laughs) whoa yeah Yeah. okay then yeah she would definitely like hang it over his head that like he's he's like a nepotism hire she would definitely throw that oh yeah 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 that's why i said i feel like they would butt heads but like not as much and like yeah she would definitely joke with him and yeah Mm -hmm. for sure yeah. But it was definitely what I was thinking about as I was watching this scene. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. So back at the firehouse, a lawyer shows up and starts taking pictures of the Ambo. And the lawyer is Kevin from the office. Um, I know Bri- that means nothing to Bryna, but. No, I, 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 I mean, I knew that. I didn't, I've never seen, I don't know, have any context for who Kevin is in the office, but I did know that that is the guy that plays Kevin in the office. I did know that. If you've ever seen the reference to the guy who falls with the big giant pot of chili, that's Kevin. I know, but that still doesn't mean, I mean, I have seen that gif. Like, I've seen things from The Office, but they don't really mean anything to me. Yeah. So, like, I know, but, like, eh. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, so the lawyer shows up. He's the lawyer for the victim's son. And, okay, he delivers an intent to sue letter. We've just got to, I've got to, I've got to put on the lawyer hat for a second. I was going to say, I was like. I'm waiting for lawyer Gina. So like, let's go. This whole scene is completely wrong. Okay. I've never heard of a notice of intent to sue. You just kind of sue. Like, I I didn't even get the chance to Google if that's actually a thing in Illinois. But in states where you don't have that notice of intent (laughs) to sue Illinois. Let's see what comes up here. Uh, Illinois notice of intent. That's a thing? That's so inefficient. Okay, apparently that's an actual form in the state of Illinois. Okay, wait, here's a sample one. Let me see this. Because actually this might just be like a really 
fancy word for a petition in Illinois, but no, this is a legit thing. Um, governing law. Okay. So maybe this is like, maybe this is the Illinois version of a complaint and a complaint is pretty much what that's what you file to say, Hey, I'm suing you. Uh, Mm -hmm. But in states where you don't have this, the attorney never delivers it. You find a process server. The attorney can't do that. Cause then the minute, like I'm getting, I'm getting in the weeds, but like the minute the other party has an attorney, like you can't communicate with those people. So like Gabby can't talk to the son. The son can't talk to Gabby. They've got to go through their representation, but Gabby can't talk to Kevin from the office. Like that could throw out the whole case, but what do I know? I'm not an attorney in Illinois. So whatever. Um, Okay. I'm just going to like take the hat off and like throw it in the river now. But I just was kind of like, that is so not efficient. Like you deliver the notice of letter to intent before you actually deliver the petition. Whatever, whatever. Everybody listening just totally glossed over. It was like, when is she going to shut up? I'm shutting up. We're good. No, I've been waiting for lawyer genius. Cause I like, I mean, like I'm not a lawyer, but I know that's not right. Like that, like nothing about this scene is actually how it goes. Yeah. Weird. So they're suing the CFD for $5 million in damages, and they're suing Gabby for another million personally, which, again, ridiculous. If somebody can't pay, if they're not worth a million dollars, guess what? You just don't get the settlement. You just don't get the settlement. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. stupid. Multiple reasons why I am not a practicing attorney anymore, and this is just a sliver of it. Just not my thing. So Gabby starts freaking out to Casey and he's like, okay, listen, like let CFD take the lead. CFD has deep pockets. Hearing that line, I was like, they do? How many times have we talked about like CFD not having the budget for X, Y, and Z? Yeah. So I don't know. And then Casey drops a line that's pretty funny. Casey's like, I just don't want you to go all Gabby Dawson and make this work for yourself or make this worse. And Gabby stops and she's like, when have I ever done that? And she's like, she doesn't even have to say anything. She's like, okay, but those times were warranted yeah that was funny yeah that was pretty funny. It's like so, he knows i mean everyone knows it's like gabby's good there is like gabby level that is like appropriate and there's gabby level gabby level that is not appropriate I yeah mean, like yeah yeah so herman calls casey into and i air quote this his office and asks him about gabby but he's also got questions about paperwork uh it's really funny too because casey takes a look around the office and like herman's already made it like made it his own and it's like he only was supposed to be in there for like 24 hours. Yeah. And, and it's Herman's like all excuse- of a sudden he's like put frames on the desk yeah. and it's just like only Herman. And Herman's excuse, he's like, I've got to get into character. <laughs> okay. But then uh, he gets in the character but can't actually figure out to the stuff the character has to do, which is filling out the paperwork. He needs help filling out the paperwork. It's funny. It's pretty funny. So later on the way out of shift, Herman starts telling Mouch all the things he learned that lieutenants do behind the scenes. And Mouch is like, why do you want to learn all of this? And Herman's like, because I always thought I was supposed to. And also because I'm an idiot. The most Herman response ever. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So then Herman gets a phone call and it's Chief Walker's office because he wants to see him for a meeting the next day. So Herman's like super jazz now. He's like, oh my God, like, what could this mean? What could this be? So then we go back to Casey and Gabby's place. And this scene actually broke my heart because this is the first time I've seen Antonio, Gabby and Casey together since Casey left. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, they're all gone. Yeah. 
And they were like the OG trio of trouble. Yeah. That makes me really sad. And they're all gone. Yep. They're all gone. All three of them. Oh, breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. So Antonio stops by to see Gabby and Casey because he did some digging on the victim who, you know, threw themselves in front of the Ambo. This guy apparently has a really rocky past, including a rehab stint for attempted suicide. So the dad had left the son when he was 10 and he tried to sue for back child support when he turned 18. So this guy's just got like a really suspicious past. Yeah. And the son is like very distant. So the son clearly just doesn't know what's going on in his dad's life either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Herman then goes to his meeting and they basically want him to write a formal statement taking liability for the call he made to transport the girl in the amp or in the back of the rig. And this is just this is just great. Nauch's face outside the door. I was dying at that part. It's everything. But also, like, I love that it was Herman. Like, Herman and Gabby obviously always had, like, a very close, you know, like, I, I'm not, I don't want to say brother-sister, but, like, uncle-niece, whatever you yeah. want to call it. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Um, kind of a relationship and so I love the fact that it was Herman that was like sticking up for her when all of this but also it's just such a Herman thing to not really know what something means and then like once he finds out about it like start going off about it like that's just such a Herman thing I love it though I also think it's really interesting that like obviously this is season five right so at this point like Herman's chances of being a lieutenant are done but then like two seasons later when he does become a lieutenant that like none of this stopped him from still becoming a lieutenant one day nope like okay so funny i love it i love it so much so then the start of the next shift Bowden tells herman he's like i talked to chief walker and herman's or yeah and so Bowden's like what did you do and herman's like i spoke the truth and Bowden goes not always a wise choice yeah. I beg to differ. I feel like the truth is always a good choice. Yeah. Sometimes I just thought it was funny because it's Bowden's just like, what'd you do? And he's Herman's just like, I spoke the truth. And Bowden's just like, oh, Jesus. Like, yeah. not this shit again. Like. <laughs> so funny. So then the second call is this girl who basically gets like sandwiched by a truck in the bike lane. Um, and it's such a Severide call too, where it's just Severide doing Severide things. Like, mm-hmm yeah uh i feel that's his twilight moment that's his like edward colored cullen moment when he has like the victim like like, yeah stops the truck yeah oh my god i need that like parallel i need like a parallel scene i I gotta photoshop seb's face over edward cullen yes yeah that's hilarious so gabby goes to see the victim's son that's suing her and she brings him his father's records and kind of leaves it at that and that the son had no clue the son is just kind of like you know, yeah, I didn't know he tried to kill himself. Right. Well, and he, he was kind of taken advantage of too, because obviously, like they talk about earlier, you know, like the lawyer, you know, because they were like, well, how'd the son even find out? Well, obviously the lawyer contacted him. Like once the lawyer found out, it's like, oh, this is like easy money, you know, for the lawyer. So the lawyer manipulated the son and, you know, it's just like terrible system. One of the many reasons why I always say I hate lawyers. Mm-hmm. 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 and i am one mm-hmm. yeah yeah don't be a lawyer <laughs> it really really sucks really sucks that song is the most accurate thing i've ever heard like all of my law school classmates we pass that around and we're like it is so spot on yeah because it is crazy ex-girlfriend 
you know, we're always good for a crazy ex-girlfriend reference or two in, in every episode. So what are you going to do? But yeah, that's how the Gabby and Herman stuff ends. So yeah, yeah just, just a horrible accident. So mm-hmm. the other thing I forgot about this episode is that mom and dad were fighting. Yeah. I don't like it when mommy and daddy fight. Not at all. And I completely forgot that they were fighting in this episode. Mm-hmm. Take it away. All right. So for just a little context. So the episode before this, basically, they had a call, you know, it looked like it was arson, but Severide really in his heart of heart believes that it's actually not arson. So basically, Casey's like, no, the guy did it. And Severide's like, no, he didn't do it. That's kind of where we're at. And they're fighting about it. So uh, we're at 51 and Severide, this is after the whole Gabby situation. So Severide asked Casey how Gabby is. And Casey's like, oh, yeah, you know, she's shaking or whatever. And Severide sneaks this jab in and he's like, well, you know, the truth always comes out for the innocent, though, right? Um, And then, which is just like, mm, mm. okay. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly, no. Yeah. I was like, Ugh. I mean, a good jab, but not to the right people. We don't want a jab when it's at our, when it's at our people. Mm-hmm. So then Severide brings up the fact that, like, he's like, I know that you called OFI to get them to extend their investigation. Um, and Severide's like, this is a grieving husband. He's like, I saw it with my own eyes. Like, I don't know what it's going to take you to make you or t- going to take to make you see that in case you just like the truth. This is so interesting because I was asking myself the question. I was like, why does Severide care so much about this? It's because Casey's on his turf, first of all. OFI is like his area. But Mm -hmm. then on the flip side of that, Casey has seen the worst in spouses and he has seen things go south. So there's a side of it that Casey is like, Sev, you're not seeing this. Yeah. Really interesting dynamic there. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's also an interesting dynamic too, because like you said, it's an arson. Mm -hmm. And the fact that like, usually when it comes to like potential arson, Severide is the one that like has a gut feeling that like, no, something else is there more and like i feel like i need to explore it but the fact that like he just didn't even see any of that like he like he missed the like clear kind of signs of arson it's like severide really like what is yeah. happening yeah that's interesting like what what was it about this case <laughs> sorry what was it about this case that was blinding severide to that i don't know he just wanted so badly to see the good in someone yeah i guess um so Bowden calls Severide into his office and Casey's there too. And basically they've confirmed, OFI has confirmed that an accelerant was used. Um, but Severide's like still in denial that the guy didn't do it. Um, and Bowden's just like, listen, he's like, let me be clear. He's like, you guys are leaders in this house. He's like, and I need you to act like it starting yesterday. That's the Bowden version just of like, mommy and daddy stop fighting. Yeah. He's basically just like, I need a final statement on my desk by tomorrow. Like with both your signatures, he's like, you, you guys got to figure it out. You got to come to some conclusion on the story. Mm-hmm. So basically the next day, Casey and Severide go meet up at the arson site. And like, they first don't find anything. And Casey eventually just like gives in. He's like, listen, he's like, you write up the report. He's like, I'll sign it. He's like, you win. But as he starts to leave, Severide like calls him back. And basically Severide finds something. It basically is one of those things where like, you have an app on your phone and you can control like all the different things in your house from it, like the light switches and you know, whatever, you know, the TV or what, you know, all the kind of 
random things in your house. And basically, this guy had connected an outlet to that app on your phone so that even though he wasn't in the house, he could still use his phone to, like, click the outlet on, and that's what ultimately started the fire. How did he know that that was going to do it? Well, by putting, because they had found some kind of, I don't remember exactly what it was, but they had found whatever accelerant, you know, right by the outlet. And I guess that with the power, you know, was enough to like spark the, he knew that it was going to spark. Huh. My guess. Arson's such a crazy, like specific crime. Yeah. One my favorite thing is like they pull the outlet off the wall and like they find the outlet connected to an internet cable and they're just like, what the fuck is that? And it's like, obviously that means it was arson. Um, you know, crazy. I'm I'm still I'm still trying to like put it together in my head. Yeah. So Casey Severide and Lieutenant Hubble, because she's still around at this <laughs> point, um, go pay this guy Darren a visit. And basically they confront him about the outlet and he's like, you know, it's not what you think. He's like, we had a bunch of debt and like, I was trying to get it paid off. He's like, but you know, I didn't think my wife was supposed to be there. Like she was supposed to be at her sister's house, you know, yada, yada, yada. And basically ends with him getting arrested. Pop quiz only because you've known me for so many years and I never shut up about it. Yes or no. Is this felony murder? What is, oh, is a uh, insurance? Yes. Or like this, this whole- insurance scam, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Why? Why? Because in Cause the- it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong. Because in the course of committing an arson, somebody died. Well, I mean, and yeah, that too. Um, I'm also just double checking that arson is indeed a felony in Illinois. <laughs> it is. It's a class two felony. So, yes. The more you know. Because it's bad. I mean, yes. It's, it's bad. bad. I wish I could just answer with that. Like, that's why. It's bad. Don't do it. Also, in most of these instances, if you deliberately do something to get the insurance proceeds, it renders the whole thing void. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to shut up now because now I'm just, like, blabbing facts. And even if it wasn't, it's not worth trying to play the insurance games to like, it's not worth it. Because you might kill a loved one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not worth it. One of the many rules of Chicago Fire, don't commit insurance fraud. But actually, though. But actually, though. (laughs) We've seen it not work on fire and we've seen it not work on PD. And probably med too at one point. There was probably a patient that tried to do it. Frankly, I'm surprised Will hasn't dabbled in it yet. What if it came out that that's really why the apartment was set on fire? I will not be surprised at all. And I will still come up with a way to defend him because that's what I do. Yeah. No, the next person we need to make sure, Kevin, don't do it. Don't don't set your apartment building on fire. Just don't do it. I don't think Kevin would. I think he's... I don't think he is either. Too smart for that. Yeah. Will, however... um, yeah but that's about all we've got that's it on this episode it's a yeah that's one. about it yeah Just... i i like going back to see watch this i haven't watched this one in a really long time 
classic early season PD. Fire, not PD. <laughs> I was just talking about PD. Yeah. Yeah. So. Any other notes on this one? No, good one. Good one. I'm glad we finally did this one. Yeah, so... Um, as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok. You guys. Yes. I'm too old for this shit, but I'm trying my best. Gina's killing it. Gina's killing it. I'm trying. It, it's I'm trying my best. Um, we're on TikTok now. Go follow us. Do the thing. Uh, yeah, we're on TikTok. That's a, that's a thing that is happening. So yeah, uh, check out the link in our socials to our Patreon page and our Tee Public page and all of our socials links in there. Check that out. Uh, normal schedule ahead. Normal schedule ahead because we are getting back in the groove. So next week, we are going to revisit an episode of PD. Uh, we're going to revisit season nine, episode 17, I think. 17 or 18 i don't know we're revisiting the torres episode he's coming in and we're gonna take a closer look at it now um, that we actually know he's sticking around yeah now that we know he's sticking around we're gonna take a closer look because when we when we first covered the episode we were like what do, do we care is he coming back yeah he is. so we're gonna revisit that so yeah um that's about all we've got follow us individually on twitter i am at gina watches tv Bryna. i am at Bryna k13 also, keep your eyes peeled as we get closer to the premieres. We may or may not be doing stuff. <laughs> may or may not. May or may not. And that's your only hint. That's about it. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, in the meantime, everybody have a good weekend. It's the first weekend of, like, college and NFL football. So, like, cozy up. Get your fall on. Like, pumpkin-flavored everything. Yeah. Get your blanket and all that good stuff. And, yeah, cozy up, and we'll see you next week. Bye.